Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 94. Today's episode is all about indigenous wisdom for finding your inner medicine. I love finding animal beings through a shamanic journey or a guided journey. Give space for integration. If an animal comes to you, instead of like pulling another card or doing another, you know, just be with that animal, build a relationship with that animal. If they come to you, it's a gift. If you have a dream of an animal, it's a gift. Ask them, what do you need from me? What are you reminding me of that I've forgotten? How can I honor you? That could be maybe an offering on the earth. It could be a little animal spirit altar that you create. But the relationship is so important because once you start, it's just like building a relationship with a person or any of those things. I think that then they're in your energy field and then they start to inform it and they start to protect it. It's a new day, a new episode, and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. What if I told you that everything is medicine? This is a common saying among the most ancient civilizations on the earth, including indigenous people. So what does it mean? How can everything be medicine? We tend to think of medicine as pharmaceuticals. Funny how they hijacked that term, right? Kind of like how the South calls all soda Coke. (laughs) Even the dictionary defines medicine as a compound or preparation used for the treatment or prevention of disease, especially a drug or drugs taken by mouth. Really? Thanks for the knowledge, Big Pharma. In reality, medicine has been practiced since prehistoric times, and it was more like an art form of knowledge and skill. A medicine man would apply herbs and say prayers for healing. Food is medicine. The food you eat can kill you or it can heal you. Plants have medicine. Herbs have healing properties. Sunlight is medicine by stimulating our bodies to produce vitamin D. The trees give us oxygen. The earth grounds us. The rain hydrates us. I started to open my eyes to a broader view of medicine about five years ago. I was having different issues with my body and I started to read about healing from the inside out. I had used to think of food as just something to consume. I'd actually buy lean pockets and think that they were healthy. (laughs) I'd just limit calories, eat fat-free cookies. You know, the good old misinformation of the 90s that stuck with me a little too long. But as I went down the more natural path, I started to see how many things around me actually have healing properties. Or, on the other hand, toxins that are just damaging my body or things that my body has to fight off day after day. And I wondered why I could feel it. I could feel my energy being expended to fight off all of this crap. But now I see things differently. And I wonder, what if we expand our view of medicine even further? What if we choose to see that everything is medicine? Everything in life is helping us to grow, evolve, and expand in love. Everything is leading to our evolution. Our most difficult experiences are actually gifts. The person at work that you hate is your personal emotional trainer. Your child having a tantrum that gets louder as your stress peaks is teaching you to find the calm in the storm. The crazy shit that the government is doing is pushing you towards finding your sovereignty and inner power. In most of those cases, when the world around you is pushing you and triggering you and scaring you and breaking you, your medicine is already inside you. What you need to find balance is already within, and your job is to just trust that it's there so you can call upon it. You are the medicine. So today we're talking about how you can recognize the gift of these experiences and how to move into a different state of being. Our guest is Asha Frost. She's an indigenous medicine woman and member of the Chippewas of Nawash First Nation. She's the best-selling author of You Are the Medicine and has guided thousands of people through profound and lasting transformation. So three key things we will learn are how to call upon your animal spirits, how legends and stories can connect us with our nature, and why we've lost the sacred and how to bring it back. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. 
Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now let's welcome Asha Frost to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So what inspired you to connect back to your indigenous roots to find your medicine? Well, it really comes from my own journey with being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition called lupus. And that was when I was 17. And at the time I was um, sort of shocked when the doctor said, this is what you have and this is what it means. And at the time they said, well, what it means is that you're probably never going to have children and you're probably going to be on medication the rest of your life. And I started on those medications and they didn't work for me. They were too harsh for my body. So I needed to find a different way of, of healing my being. And I had been disconnected from my ancestors' medicine so due to colonization. So I had to refine that and reclaim that. And on that path, I found earth-based healing and homeopathy. And I ended up becoming a homeopath where I saw the potential and the power that we have in our own bodies to heal ourselves. So you are your own medicine. I've just noticed that with, I've seen it with thousands, people healing, activating their own vital force and just that inner wisdom that we all hold coming forward. I was recently reading a book and darn it, I can't even remember which one. It was uh, talking about one of the people that got brought up was actually the person who discovered the opioid receptor in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I was just fascinated by it because one of the things that she said is that the only way that your body can actually interact with Western medicine is if there's also a natural form within our bodies that is created just you know, automatically or naturally. And so it's so interesting to think about that because it's just something that most people don't know at all. And it kind of brings the question of, okay, well, if I'm automatically reaching for this medicine, is there anything else that I can do to spur something similar, something more natural within my body first? And and can I try that out? Mm, I love that question and curiosity. And I have nothing against, you know, the medical system, or I know that we need those medications. They're there for a reason. We need them at different parts and times in our lives. And I think that you're right. I think that sometimes there's, there's, there are like a, there's a variety of options for people. So I love to just be curious, stay in that curiosity of what else could I maybe look at right now? So when you say that we are our own medicine, define medicine because I know that the traditional way that we view medicine in the Western world tends to be from a pill or a liquid that you take. And so I know that for you, it's, it's so much more holistic. Yeah. So yes, that is traditionally how we know medicine. And when I would sit in front of people, when I was a homeopath, I would see this like inherent, I guess it was like their vital force, like a spark of their divine light shining back at me. And over the over time and over the years, I got to learn that this was a particular 
power or potency that they carried within them that would just kind of present itself before me as they spoke or as they shared their stories. And I came to know that as their natural, and I called it medicine because I felt that it was the thing that was meant to be expressed in the world. So I feel like all of our creation has medicine, the plants, the flowers, the waters, the land, and and us, I think as human beings, we carry that medicine too. So for me, it's anything that helps us to bring, to bring us back to who we are, helps us to remember that core divine nature that we all come from our creation story. To me, that's what medicine is. We often will like look up, oh, well, oranges have vitamin C or this plant has this, but I think we've lost the sacredness of that. Like what that really means that there are like everything around us has the power to heal in different ways. It's all there for a reason. And we look at it, especially in this country as so disposable sometimes. Mm-hmm. I live in the mountains up in Big Bear Lake. And one thing that I love about being up here is that like if you buy a lot of land you need permission to cut down a tree. And a lot of times it gets denied. And so like up here, it tends to be that when people live in nature, they value it a lot more. They're not just like, oh, well, there's three trees on our property. Got to cut those down to build the house. It's like, how can you fit the house between the trees is often what the architects do up Mm -hmm. here. So I just love that even living up here is connecting me to something that I feel like it's not just I lost over time. It's almost like I, I never really had that connection to begin with, but as a society, as a people, we've all lost it. So I'd love to hear what your experience was connecting back to your indigenous roots and how that kind of led you on the journey to discovering all of these different ways that we are or medicine or that, and that we're all one. Yeah, well, that just speaks to me. Your experience speaks to, I think, our collective understanding. I think we believe we own land and and from an indigenous ways of knowing and being, we are one with that land, right? So we don't own anything. We don't extract from anything. We're not... We're not higher than the land. We are equal to the land and equal to all of creation in that way. We're, and I think if we all saw the world in that way, then we would treat our land kin, our plants, our flowers, our water in such different ways, more respectfully, I think. So I love that that is your experience where you live right now. When I was um, reconnecting to my ancestors' ways of being, it. I was always a dreamer. I was always a visionary. As a child, I would dream a lot. I would have visions of my ancestors. And my mother was a really, she was really supportive of that, of my spiritual connection. She nurtured and fostered it. So it wasn't unusual. But in our home, of course, my grandparents had been colonized um, in residential school. So that kind of fell down into the layers of what I was disconnected from. And they were stripped from their medicine ways and their language and their knowing. So that, of course, trickles down to the next generation and then the next generation. So by the time I was 17 and I was searching for a different way, I knew in my bones and my heart there was a different way. There, I knew in my dream time and my visioning there was a different way. And things started to present themselves. You know, I saw a naturopath who invited me into homeopathic medicine and it worked. And I thought, what is this magic? What is this beautiful way of being and how can I learn about it. So my life sort of started unfolding in that way through my own healing journey. It was never like, I'm going to learn this to teach this to others. It was always, how can I immerse myself in this so that I can heal myself? And my life just, my path kind of unfolded in that way, which is so, such a blessing and a gift. I think, I think it's a privilege that I never really planned it out. It just sort of started to unfold in this way. But my ancestors started to get louder. My dreams started to get louder, calling me into that healing path as a healer and, and sort of to the place I am now. So I think it was a lot of listening, a lot of listening, a lot of unraveling the ways that colonialism and capitalism have impacted me. And when we think about medicine, I mentioned some examples of like, you know, the the vitamin C that might be in a fruit or uh, the properties that plants might hold. But there's so much more to it when you go through your book, because you also talk about the wisdom that the moon cycles hold and that animal spirits hold. How do those all connect? Yeah, so I start off the book talking about the turtle. So the turtle connects us, right? The turtle shell has the 13 moons on its back. 
And I always think that's just the most, I don't know, just awe-inspiring, magical thing to think about this turtle who's on the earth, on the land, reflecting the, the cosmos, like reflecting the moon. And that, that that shows that we are all interconnected, that somehow the moon is reflected on the turtle's back. So the turtle has the 13 moon cycles on its back. That's how we used to keep our calendar. It's the, it's the calendar that we used to keep to find out what the next full moon was. And my book has each full moon in the Anishinaabe teachings, the 13 moon cycles, and how we know them from the land that I'm that I'm on and my ancestors were from. And then the animal spirits that are associated with those moons. So I just invited in an animal for some teachings throughout the book so that folks could connect to what that meant for them and how that inspired healing for them, if it did at all. I never knew. I kind of wrote it thinking, I hope this lands for people. And so far it has. People are sharing how much it lands for them. So the animal spirits um, that went along with each moon sort of had a theme, like their own medicine they wanted to share that sort of coincided with that moon cycle. So is that something that you were inspired by or is that something that's well known through people in your culture? I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. So is that something that you were inspired by or is that something that's well known through people in your culture? No, all of the information that I share in my book is um, ancestor guided or connected to dream time and vision because, because of the generational trauma in my lineage. Um, I just didn't grow up with having teachers and elders who passed 
this information down in that way. So I had to find my own way. You mentioned something in your book that I just took mental note of because I don't think it's well known in just, I don't know, with white people is what I'm going to say. But one of the things that you said is actually harmful is when we use spirit animal as a joke. And I'm going to be honest right here. I've done that before. And so I knew, knew I needed to go deeper on this. Like I'll find some sloth and I'm like, this is my spirit animal for today. And that is a, a kind of appropriation and a harmful type. Why is that? And, and how should we be connecting with a spirit animal? Yeah, so I know I love saying animal medicine. I love spirit animal to an animal spirit, but it really is medicine for us. So animals are our kin, our relations, our, our siblings, you know, our ancestors. They come through in that way. They are, again, revered as such. So when you reduce it to a meme or a hashtag or whatever, a joke, you're not honoring the reverence um, that Indigenous people have held. And then you're kind of extracting again, that extracting piece, and then taking something to make into a joke to whatever you're doing with that, whatever your intention is, and leaving behind the reverence, the history, the people. So it's, it's very harmful. And yeah, it can cause a lot of pain. I'm going to be honest. There's certain times that I haven't fully understood uh, the harms of appropriation. And I've always wanted to just sort of go deeper into that because I know that there's people on one side that are offended or harmed by it. And there's people on the other side that just don't understand how something meant in a lighthearted way or or something where it's they feel like they're appreciating could be harmful to another culture. So I'm curious, where do you see as the line between appropriation and appreciation? Because on one hand, it could be argued that, you know, if we all just shared everything we knew, wouldn't the world be a better place? So where does it cross the line of, of actually stealing from a culture in a way that's negative versus maybe spreading more awareness about something that has been helpful? Hmm. This is a big issue. <laughs> it's a big issue that I'm asked about a lot. And I speak about it in my book a lot. So I do want folks to go there because it's extra emotional labor for me to constantly talk about this. So I really hope that people do buy the book to, um, to find out more about this. So when you're in a position of power and privilege, when one culture is in a position of power and privilege and they take from another culture, they extract from another culture, that right there is where the imbalance starts. So marginalized communities, such as indigenous communities, you know, South Asian communities with yoga, when you're in a position of power and privilege and you're just taking and taking and you're not seeing the your privilege, your entitlement, and that entitlement is very, it's very present in white communities where it's like, I just feel privileged and entitled to take this. As an Indigenous person, I don't have that same level of entitlement. And you don't know the history. So we weren't allowed to practice our ceremonies. They were banned. We were, they were illegal. Um, they were taken from us. They were stripped away. My grandfather was in residential school. He only spoke his language and he was beaten because he spoke his language. We lost so much of our culture and that trickles down again to the generations where now I don't know my language. I have to relearn my ceremonies. I have to go through the shame of all of that pain of being colonized. My ancestors being like, I don't want to share this because it was beaten from me or um, I was called a savage or I was, it was, you know, not, we're going to make you, we're going to missionize you and make you into a Christian. So that's a lot of pain for us to carry. And then we just see a white woman taking and going, well, I'm just sharing this because we're all one and I'm just going to share it with everyone. I'm just going to take this sage stick, not knowing that that was illegal for us to practice. It was our medicine and you're just taking it. And how hard it was for me to even come to the place where I wanted, felt okay to share it. You're not acknowledging any of that. So there is, um, that is a problem and that is harmful because you're not seeing the whole picture. And then there are missing and murdered Indigenous women. We go missing and murdered. No, the country doesn't care. A white woman goes missing. There is ever, all hell breaks loose, right? We go missing. It just goes underground. Nobody cares. There's no clean water on our First Nations like that are 15, 20 minutes away from white communities. There's so many issues, right, that, that people on Turtle Island just 
close their eyes to. So when you're closing your eyes to that, but then you're opening your eyes to dream catchers and animal spirits and, and smudge and sage, and you're doing that, you can just see how you're leaving behind all of that pain and trauma. And you don't have to deal with it because you get, you're the privilege and you have entitlement and you don't ever have to go there. You're not carrying it in your bones in the same way. So that's my short answer, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, a, it's a really deep, complex issue. And I wrote this book because I'm hoping it's an invitation for us to see the whole picture because I know many white women want to do better. And I, I say white women because it's often not people of um, other communities that, that are doing that. They understand the harm because they live in that, that sort of oppressed, like, you know, they've been oppressed. So it really feels like it's um it's an issue that I think we can heal together. Like it's an invitation. I wouldn't have shared the teachings in this book if I didn't believe that we are here to heal that together and to walk in reconciliation. I believe all the people in my community are here for it. They're always uplifting Indigenous voices and trying to do better. So that that is sort of um, what my vision is for the future. That makes so much sense. And I remember being on this uh, it was like a a gathering of of kind of like-minded people that wanted to get together and discuss hard topics because it's so hard to do that. And the conversation was appropriation versus appreciation. So we had one person on either side just sort of like bringing up points. And I remember the example that a black woman gave was that even today, if she goes into a job interview with cornrows, for example, depending on the area, of course, that's considered unprofessional or or I don't know, she's less likely to get the job, whereas then a white woman can come in or Kim Kardashian starts doing it and then it's trendy, you know, <laughs> nobody thinks anything of it. And so that's a good point to bring up. But it's also the point that as you're talking about, you're sharing a lot of the helpful things from your culture that can lead to more things than just us healing ourselves. It can heal our connection with nature and, and heal our separation that we've just continuously create over these years. And so to me, it sounds like the one of the biggest additions to adopting or being inspired by another culture is really bringing in the reverence. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think the reverence and also, um, and also knowing about the people that you're taking this from and the teachers and the hard part for me sometimes, oh, for, for, I've been doing, I've been, busy, been busy, in business for 20 years. And I've seen white women take our medicines and rise way faster than I have. I've seen white women teaching our ceremonies and our medicines. I've seen white women get huge book deals sharing my medicine. So it's taken me 20 years to get here to this moment. And I've worked just as hard, if not harder, to get here. So I think that it's really important to understand those things, like it's very complex and it's nuanced. And yeah, reverence is really important. Of course it is. And also like the systemic issues, especially in our spiritual and new age communities and wellness communities, it's, there's a lot of disparity. So I want to go into some of the teachings that you bring up. And first, I am inspired by the legends. And this is, might sound silly, but I've, I think a lot about the way that different spiritual traditions arise. And I've studied a lot of different ones. And I'm curious with the legends of certain things, like one of the first legends you talk about is like the how Turtle Island came to be or how like the legend of the maple tree. How do people pass this on? Is it believed to be literal or is it meant to be more of a story that connects you to an, an energy or something like that? Mm. I wrote those, um, some, I mean, the Turtle Island story is passed down. It's well known for Anishinaabe people. And so is the Dreamcatcher story. Those legends are, are well-known stories. But the other ones were created by me. I asked the moon to tell me, I asked creation to tell me how they wanted to speak through me. So those are sort of, I'd say, more visionary channeled messages. And they are to storytelling always has like a, a message, right? A message. How do you apply this to your life? How do you apply this to your own evolution? How do you apply this to your growth and your healing? So I infused every legend with that essence of like, what's the lesson here? What can you take away with that? And growing up, my mother would read me legends as a child and everything was alive. Like the plants, the trees, they talked to each other. They had little faces 
faces, the animals. And I just thought that's the way that everybody communicated. So I wanted to bring that childlike essence into the book because I think we can all remember that, that magic as children thinking, even our stuffed animals talked or, you know, all of these things communicate with each other. So that legends are traditionally storytelling is a way we pass down. We're an oral culture. So that's how we pass down teachings and traditions. And it felt like a really important part to add to my book. Yeah, I love the aspect of storytelling. I think it, it for me, it helps connect and it makes perfect sense because as you learn in marketing, that's what gets people to share. That's what gets people to engage with something. Anyone that's worked for like a nonprofit knows that one of the best ways to get people to donate is first to get them to feel and to get them to feel is to tell an individual story of the people that they're helping, to show photos of that. And so it makes so much sense to me, whereas we've lost so much of that connection we talked about it earlier of like, you know, being like willy nilly, just cutting down a tree or, you know, just, just not revering any of it, not really honoring any of it. And so suddenly when you do have those little stories, I can't ignore those once I know it. I'll be looking at a maple tree and think of it crying every single time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It is true. I think like, um, I guess it humanizes them and, and because we kind of sometimes consider ourselves above above those aspects of creation, I think it does sort of like level it out a little bit and have us all as equals. Can you share with us one of the legends that you feel like is a powerful teacher that may stick with some of our listeners? Well, I love that maple tree story, actually. Um, it's, it is a beautiful story I'll share too, because right now we're in the strawberry moon month and I, the legend of how the strawberry came to be was a really important chapter for me. And it's really, the strawberry is called Oday Amen, which is the heartberry. And um, strawberry was, was placed on the earth to bring people together, to bring all people together back to the heart. Um, when we do harm, it's an invitation to come back to our hearts and see how we can make amends. Strawberry, so the legend speaks of strawberry being planted on the earth to be that medicine to bring us back together to our hearts and to help that reconciliation happen. And that's really important for this month. And then the maple tree, I love that story because it really is about finding the maple tree's medicine and how they never thought they were good enough. And that other trees would would shame them and put them down, and they couldn't find out who they truly were. And something I hear in my communities often is, "I'm an imposter. I don't have. What do I have to share? I, you know, I don't have a special medicine." So the story of the maple tree was that um, they felt that way, and they felt like they don't have anything special. And all of the birds tried to tell the maple, "Oh, this is uh, maybe you're this. Maybe you can offer this." And maple was just like, "No, I'm not good enough." And then one day. It was, you know, it was, it was holding up the birds and it was, it was being part of creation and there was this big storm and all the birds fell to the ground and the maple tree took its branches and lifted them up and it was crying tears and tears and tears as all of its friends were, they thought they were dead, picked up the, picked up the birds um, and then healed the birds with its tears. So that was sort of how the maple tree found its medicine, which is maple syrup, which is sweetness in that moon cycle and sweetness of um, finding out who you are, I think, and remembering that we all have a gift to share with this world. Because I know we can doubt that. I mean, even sometimes I doubt that. So, I mean, that's why, you know, you teach what you need to learn or you need to remember. So I think that remembering that we all have medicine is, um, is a journey. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, 
Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I forget that too. And then I'll get somebody to reach out to me on Instagram. It's like, you're changing so many lives. And I'm like, oh, I'm just behind a microphone. And sometimes I forget, (laughs) but it's so easy to forget. And I think our natural tendency is that negativity bias and our brain does it to protect us. But at this point in life, it's really just doing harm, beating ourselves up, making us doubt ourselves. And one of the stories that I was even inspired by, because I did just find out that I'm pregnant like a week ago and and now I'm dealing with being so tired and I had so many plans for this month and I'm like just watching them dwindle away and and I have to listen to my body and just rest. I don't really <laughs> I want to say I don't have a choice. Maybe I do, but it's really hard to get up off the couch in different moments. And I was looking through the legend of the bear and the hibernation and it got me to think about how I guarantee that the bear doesn't beat itself up, that it's going into hibernation. Why is it that other animals and beings can just do things when it needs to? It just kind of goes with the cycles, but it seems like so often, even when we feel the call with 100% of our being to go rest, we still resist it. My goodness, I know. And you're so right. The bear listens. Like the bear is so connected to its inner cyclical nature. And just like, this is what I need to do. This is, you know, it's just like almost just like I'm informed. They're so informed by the earth and the land and their inner heartbeat, I feel like. And we have become so disconnected from that because of, I think it's a systemic thing. I think there's like always something like pulling us out of, of listening to that that sensation or that body or that heart. And I think it's especially hard now with social media. Like I started my business, there was no social media. And I can honestly say it was way easier. It was just way easier because it was just, I feel like you were doing your thing and there was none of this, like, I need to show what I'm doing and I need to prove what I'm doing. And, um, or I need to be on all the time. I think that um, we can say that we're taking breaks and rest, but always in the background, there's still that system like pulling us out of that. So yeah, I mean, I guess if Bear had if Bear had social media on the external part of their existence, they'd have they'd find it hard too. So I think it's like not our fault, but there's like it's very intentional to make choices to rest. So I I give you permission to rest. I hope you do too, because I know it is like um, in those moments, and we need to listen to our body. I mentioned earlier about uh, just the differences in the way you see spirit animals on like TikTok versus how you actually honor a spirit animal. What is that process? Do do you have one spirit animal that you really identify with? Or do you just know that the wisdom that different animals hold and choose which one to call to when you need something specific? Yeah. So for me, I've always walked with deer. Deer medicine has been like a really big teacher for me, primarily because I'm walking with lupus and can be really hard on myself and the perfectionism piece comes up. So deer talks to me about softening into self-love and self-compassion. That's a big teaching for me. Bear is with me, as I shared in the book, because it's that resting piece that I struggle with so much too and trusting the great mystery touching me in that rest. I also walk with eagle Eagle is like a huge guide for me with my visionary kind of medicine coming into the world. So I think we have main animal medicines that walk with us through our lives or fly with us or, you know, move with us. I do think that there is some some sort of like soul agreement that you come in with, with different medicines that feel like they're going to be with you for your whole life. And then along the way, of course, sometimes you see lots of foxes, sometimes you see lots of hawks and you're like, oh. How are they speaking to me right now? So there's those animals that come in and say, here I am. Like, I have a message for you. Maybe through an Oracle deck, 
maybe through your child's stuffed animals, you know, maybe through something you keep seeing in your dreams. That's another way they can come through. So I think that there's, um, there's different ones that come in and out in that way. But I would say that mostly everyone I've worked with has had like a main animal spirit that is their teacher. When I was reading through the descriptions of the animals, eagle was one of the first that stood out to me, but I also have a connection with the eagle. My dad just had eagles all the time. He had like this wooden necklace that was an eagle. He had multiple shirts with eagles on it. He was always seeking them out. I think they inspired him. And so now whenever I see anything eagle related, I know it's my message from my dad. And uh, I was reading this book called Signs by Laura Lynn. And she yes, said, I read that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good book. And she said, she talked about how you can sort of use connections with ask for a sign from deceased you, and you can do it even before they die so that you can say like, Hey, when you're gone, please show me this sign and sort of set up these connections. And when I was reading that, I felt a little bit somber about it because I didn't know any of that information when my dad died. And I was like, I don't think we have any signs. And it was so interesting because I was still reading that book. I went to the beach in Santa Monica. I'm sitting on a hammock and immediately there's this band, this like band of teenagers, like the youngest one was like 11 to like 17. And it's a family. And they'd always play every single Saturday at that beach. And they'd play the exact same songs. I was always there. Then all of a sudden they went off track and they played Let It Be. And they played um, Hallelujah. My two songs that are like my dad's, that just always reminded me of my dad because likely because I created his funeral CD and those, those were on it. But I was like, oh, I do have signs. And in that moment, somebody walked by with an eagle shirt on. And I was like, it's the eagle. I already know it's the eagle. I don't know why I didn't think of that. And there was a whole saga of that whole day. We ended up going to an Airbnb and there ended up being, a. I sat there and I was like, I didn't see my eagle today after that moment. And then my husband like goes white faced and points behind me. And there's this giant wooden eagle behind me in this Airbnb. And right behind that was a book that said, that just said, my father. <laughs> and wow. I was just like, oh my goodness. And so I feel like I'm, I'm guided by the eagle in some ways, but there were some other ones that, that called to me as well. So for listeners that are interested in possibly finding guidance from animals, what steps can they go through to kind of find that sacredness so that we aren't just on that surface level of jokes. I think that, again, you know, we talked about the reverence and that piece is so important. So if you find the best way, I love finding animal beings through a journey, right? Through like a shamanic journey or a guided journey. And I think I do this so much in my communities and my circles, like an animal comes forward. And instead of, I, what I see a lot too is like, you know, just like card readings. We're like, oh, I got a card reading. Oh, I'm going to jump, jump to the next one. Oh, I'm going to jump to the next one. Like we don't have, we don't give that space for integration. So I always say like, give space for integration. If an animal comes to you, instead of like, pulling another card or doing another, you know, just be with that animal, build a relationship with that animal. If they come to you, it's a gift. If you have a dream of an animal, it's a gift. Ask them, what do you need from me? What are you reminding me of that I've forgotten? How can I honor you? That could be maybe an offering on the earth. It could be a little animal spirit altar that you create. Um, you could have a little card of it somewhere, you know, just to remind you, offering gratitude to them before you go to sleep. But the relationship is so important because once you start, it's just like building a relationship with a person or any of those things. I think that then they're in your energy field and then they start to inform it and they start to protect it. So you can call up like now I'll know if I have an energetic situation going on, I can just be like wolf spirit. I need your growl or eagle spirit. I need your help with clearing my vision so I can see clearly. And I just have those relationships where I know what they're there for. But that takes time, it takes intention, and it takes a lot of love poured in. So much of it is just about what energy are you carrying with this intention? I, those are yeah. the two things that I, I try to check myself. It's like, what's my intention for doing this? And then what energy am I holding as I'm doing it? And hoping that that'll guide me at least in a way that doesn't throw myself off track, which I can do so often because I, mm -hmm. I tend to get in my head with everything. You know, there's so... Mm -hmm many times on this spiritual journey where somebody gives me guidance and it sounds so right. And then I sit down to try it and, that, and I'm just judging myself. Like, am I doing this right? Am I feeling it right? Maybe this isn't meant for me. And so 
for me, one of the things that's really helped is the little ritual around it because Mm -hmm. it creates like, I guess, a sacred space. And I know one of the things that you talk about is bringing everything back to the sacred. And I think we've Mm -hmm. lost that. I think I've only started feeling how sacred things are in probably the last five years. And it took a lot of self-work and then spiritual work and peeling back the layers, but we don't hold a lot of things sacred. We don't even really hold life sacred anymore. So what do you mean about bringing things back to the sacred and how can we do that? Oh, that's such a big question. I think maybe it is treating yourself in a sacred way. Maybe it does start with like just seeing yourself as a sacred being in the eyes of creation. I think that that's a really important step, you know, in starting to see things. But I, again, like I'm going to say relationship, like it's a relational, it's a relational practice. I think like asking yourself, how can I have a relationship with this plant, with this supplement that I'm taking with, with this person, with this animal being, with the spirit guide, with this ancestor, like how can I have a relationship and what kind of relationship do I want to have? I think is really important. And how can I make it reciprocal where you're not just asking or extracting or taking where you're actually feeling like you can give. And it's like that beautiful give and receive, I think is really important. So how can we have a reciprocal relationship with the earth and how can we walk in that way every single day I think it's really important because we are conditioned to we're not yeah we're just conditioned to take I think in so many ways so um, that giving part is really important but bringing things back to the sacred I think includes coming back to your heart-centered place like how do you see this how do you even see things with curiosity and awe I think that that childlike wonder we've lost that too And if you have your own children, you can see it in their eyes where they just like, my little ones are like, oh my gosh, there's that potato bug and it's so amazing, you know, and it's just (laughs) like being on the earth and just thinking it's the most amazing thing ever to me that's sacred because it's like excitement and awe and curiosity. And I wonder what, what would change if we saw everything in that way. That's probably my favorite thing about having a child is just bringing that back because I feel it. And And in order to really be present with him, I find myself in the same awe, you know, like I want to experience it the way he does. And, and so it's giving me such an appreciation. I mean, the kid's got probably $2,000 worth of toys and all he wants is a stick and a rock. (laughs) So we just go outside and play in the forest all day long. But I, I love it because it's easier to get there than I thought it would be. Whereas Mm -hmm. you think like, oh, you lose it over time and now I've got to pretend. I don't really feel like I have to pretend. I just have to be reminded because I think that's what we are supposed to have in our essence. I don't think it's something that we're supposed to grow out of. I agree. I agree. And like, that's sort of the intention of my book is a remembering. Like if anybody receives anything from it, I hope they remember in some way, like either their child heart the medicine, the spark they had or they carried. I hope they remember their connection. Like that remembering, I think, can be as easy as a question or an invitation. And you're right, it doesn't have to be hard. I love to leave listeners with one solid thing to focus on to really ground the teachings into reality for them. So if we were going to give them one little piece of homework that you think would be helpful for them, what would that be? I think it's simple. I I just saw a vision of like standing barefoot on the earth placing your hands on your heart and feeling the interconnectedness, like feeling, asking yourself, what do I want to have a relationship with today? And I love that. And I think the word relationship is so important because if it fits with a person. It's not like you, you know, invite somebody over and you're automatically besties. <laughs> I think that's the hardest part about relationships. You got to get through all of that, getting to know each other, getting to know the nuances, understanding the depths of the personality and and we can have relationships with more than just other people and if we look at it that way and look at things more as living beings of essence that you know has everything has their medicine and if we integrate it in some way it can affect our lives in way that ways that we have not experienced yet then i think that does help us have the reverence and the understanding and the love for things around us whether it's living or not so thank you so much for bringing these teachings to us for showing us how to have a real appreciation for some of the things that we just throw around and uh you know, use for an Instagram post. So for listeners that want to learn more about you and your book, where's the best place for them to connect? 
So you can follow me on Instagram, asha.frost. And for my book, it's available anywhere books are sold. So I would love, I would love to hear from you too, if you read it and it touches you in some way. I'm, my DMs are open for that because I get so excited hearing from all the readers. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x94. Your challenge for this week is a perspective shift. How can you see everything that's before you as a form of medicine? Really, this is just another way to see that everything is happening for you, not to you. But what I love about it is that it can be taken even deeper. You can use it as a perspective shift for finding the good in what's happening, finding your path through it, finding the lesson in the challenge. But you can also use it to connect more deeply with nature. I moved to nature a couple years ago, right in the mountains, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. My connectedness to all that is, to just life up here is different than when I was in the heart of LA. I feel like I can breathe, but mostly I feel everything around me breathing with me. Have you ever just laid on your back in the grass and looked up and watched life pulse? The trees swaying, the bushes bristling, the birds flying. You can see and feel the connectedness of all things. It's just amazing when you really consider that the trees are emitting oxygen that then we breathe into our bodies without even really realizing it. Have you thanked the trees today? Or do you just think of them as objects, just there because they're there? But what if we chose to look deeper? How would your life unfold? Play with that this week and let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And if you're up for an extra challenge, spend some time in nature. Take a photo and tag me in Mind Love Podcast. If you'd like to support Mind Love, the best way to do that is by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You get a whole backlog of exclusive episodes and soon to be more that are only available for premium members. You get accompanying meditations, you get an ad-free listening experience, and even early release sometimes. You can also support one of my amazing sponsors by going to mindlove.com slash sponsors where I just have a list of all of them with their discount codes and a little blurb about them. Or you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I absolutely love these. So for any of you that have already taken the time, I'm so grateful. And consider, you can just copy your review from one of the platforms and paste it over onto Spotify or vice versa. And just know that I will love you forever. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.